When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with Nick. Me? You're here with me? I'm here too. What's up? <laughs> Not a lot. Today, Was it's starting to get a little warm outside, so I had to move a whole bunch of plants from the basement outside to get them some yard time to start conditioning them for the summer's plant that's awesome a lot of people aren't really aware of the fact that plants need the wind they need the natural you know moving air to help strengthen their bodies to stand up when they get full grown well it's not just the plants that i have ready for this summer but i've also started an apple tree that my daughter saved a seed from that we sprouted and it's now about an inch and a half tall so i gotta start getting him outside or he'll uh fall over and die he's got to have that that wind like you're saying absolutely that's exciting i can't wait to eat some apples how's everything going i know you've got all kinds of adventures going on uh things are going good the the catering thing is going slow and steady in the right direction i'm really excited i was one of my uh clients this is for an open house and she contacted me the other day and said that her venue had been double booked and that she needed to find a new one and i was like well that's really bad news and you think they keep better records uh, <laughs> so i was like what can i do to help you she's like i just wanted to make sure that if i have to change the date i'm not going to lose my money and i was like no of course it's, if you read the contract it's stated right in there i mean in terms of a clear line of communication you know both ways and i was like you're fine just keep me informed what you're doing and stuff and within you know an hour she already found a new place to have the open house so she's She's relieved, and I'm relieved because I don't want to get the money back. Because uh, first and foremost, I is a business, but it's going really good. I have some herbs, you know, that are that are looking good. They're about three inches tall now. They're they're sprouting, but they all kind of look the same. I can't tell the difference at this early stage as to what's what yet. I planted some peppers and some squash, and I'm hoping that those seeds will sprout up in the germination process. And I'm excited. I'm just I'm really enjoying this year so far. It was gorgeous outside today. So it sounds like you've got your herbs, you've grown them longer than any other herb you've tried to grow. Any other plant. <laughs> no, your tomato plants lived to the point where they were going to start giving off tomatoes before the horned worm ate them. Yeah, I call him Rodney and Rodney's dead. Rodney was delicious for my turtles. They loved him. <laughs> well, it's almost time for you to come get your Roma plant. Oh, I can't wait. I will take as many as you'll give me. Are some of those going to Durand or are those all yours? No, there's uh, there's probably close to 50 tomato plants. The problem is, is in the shuffle of they, them getting too big and having to go from container to container to container, I may have forgotten to label some of them. 
So they're tomatoes. I don't know which kind. They could be big beef. They could be cherry. They could be Romas. But I'll make sure that the one I give you is labeled Roma. Well, luckily for you, their leaves should all be a little different, so you can at least put the same kind in the same place. You may not know what kind of tomato it is, but you know those 15 mystery tomatoes will all be the same kind of tomato. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this week I wanted to talk about using crops as fuel. Now, that can, be, that can sound a little weird. Do you know what I mean by that? I assume biofuels. Well, and that is, it is primarily biofuels, but there's also, for an example, E85 how we switched gasoline over to an ethanol corn-based product. Yeah. And I want to talk about different, I want to talk about what happens when you use crops as a fuel this week. Okay. So some common things that are grown as fuel is tall switch grass is one of them. Mm -hmm. There's obviously algae is one of the ones that you see a lot for not natural gases. And you'll see a lot of times you'll take biomatter, compress it real tight into bricks, and then use that to burn. There's also the E85 corn stuff that I really want to dig into because I think that that really explains the what happens in general. Yeah, of course. And I mean, there are other things. You know, people use greases and vegetable oils as as energy, but a lot of that's recycled. But if you are growing something specific to to get those it falls under the same rules. So let's let's talk about what happened in the past when we used corn as a fuel. Do you remember when that when that change happened? Well, I remember being on the news and I remember there being a big fuss about it. A lot of people were excited and then a lot of really negative um, press came out about it. And I really think that someone you know, released bad propaganda because they're worried about their uh, their fuel prices. I think that there was a, a propaganda push against it, but I don't actually know much about it at all. Well, it, it started off with a couple of things. Number, number one is that the dreaded term renewable, it was going to be a renewable fuel. It, when burnt, it would lead to less tailpipe emissions okay so those those are on the surface pretty good things but no one really dug into what what else came along with that they would hope that it would lead to a cheaper more inexpensive fuel that Mm -hmm. they would have a higher abundance of and that it would be a nice alternative unfortunately that's not exactly how it worked out okay what happened well (laughs) first things first when you take a bunch of corn or your fields and you're planting fuel and not food everything that uses that food has to start competing with the fuel industry so all the corn the farmers loved it because now corn became a much more coveted uh, commodity so they made more money right they did along with the subsidies for it but think of everything that that is in our market today that we use that has corn in it everything everything that has any type of artificial okay i can't say artificial sweetener but anything that's processed that has a preservatives and has a sweetener in it has corn syrup in it so anything with corn as a as even a byproduct dog food was a big example it went up in price and it didn't just go up in price it went like 15 to 30 percent up in price wow that's a big that's a big increase so the concept was, well, we're, we're just going to create this better fuel because fossil fuels, as we as we pump them now, and you know, oil, crude, all that stuff is going to run out. We, there is peak oil and all these things. And they weren't necessarily 
using the environment as their reason but they once they found that it was slightly less emissions they they used it to the fullest but what they didn't necessarily look at was first of all the efficiency of the fuel and how it would affect every other market across the united states so like you said corn syrup everything that had corn syrup in it went up dog food was and dog treats and things that used corn as byproducts stuff like that all went up it was you were supposed to save money by doing this and the default fell back to you weren't now the other side of it was is now how how much cheaper is e85 the normal unleaded have you seen that recently at the gas stations i don't think that i have a gas station around me that carries e85 i don't so i would i wouldn't know 87 is the lowest that the ones around me carry well so you kind of hit something there on accident they also not only did they have to create this fuel but they had to roll out a full infrastructure for it because they couldn't just put it in existing tanks and all that kind of fun stuff they had to create an ex- a new infrastructure to create e85 so someone along the pipeline thought this was going to be a replacement for normal unleaded gasoline well that's a huge cost if you have to go through and like put a whole new tank in every gas station you want to carry it because a lot of times and I could be wrong, but a lot of these uh, these mom and pop gas stations won't be able to afford that kind of change. I mean, because really, they don't make a lot of money on gas. No, it's mostly for what happens inside the store is where that's they kind of make their money. That's why you pay $5 on a, a dollar bag of chips. <laughs> right. So now it, I said it had less emissions, but what was it looked at was the efficiencies. Okay. When it, when it burned it was much less efficient than normal gasoline. So it has more emissions, but you have to burn more of it. So it comes out to close. So what I did is I looked at this. I said, okay, so, and again, uh, when I told you 15 to 27% or 15 to 30% was the cost of everything going up, I was wrong. Strike that. That That is the, how many less miles per gallon? So 15 to 27% less miles per gallon. For a wow. gallon of E85 to a gallon of gasoline. Well, that's insane. I mean, that's that's anywhere from a if you, if you have a car that gets 30 miles to a gallon, fifteen uh, percent is going to be a mile and a half. So anywhere from fifteen to thirty, you anywhere a mile and a half to three miles less a gallon. Or no, sorry, four and a half to right fifteen. So. 30. I'm terrible at math. <laughs> Four and a half. Everyone's hearing me. They're going to think I'm hilarious, but it's, trust me, I'm really this bad in public. 10% of 30 is three. And so another half would be four and a half miles per gallon at 15%. Mm-hmm. Well, That's a- it's bad. And you save, I mean, you, so on average, you uh, across the nation, you would save about 50 cents a gallon. Okay. So for my own entertainment, I said, okay, what is the average cost of those vehicles were anywhere between five and $10,000 more than the standard fuel vehicles. They did the same thing with E85 vehicles as they did with, with electric. Yeah. So what you ended up with was a, a more expensive vehicle. So drivers generally on average, purely average 656 gallons a year is what they use. So I said, uh, average vehicle, 15 years. So it's about 9,840 lifetime gallons. And it would only save you at 50 cents a gallon cheaper, just under $5,000. Wow. 
And that's assuming you're going to have it for that, that amount of time. It's, I don't think, I mean, I understand why they do it. I understand they put a premium when they do these kinds of different vehicles and different, you know, reasons, emissions or whatever kind of effect they have in the environment. I understand why they put a premium on the price because they have to redesign a whole new motor or redesign a whole new vehicle. And it's a whole new market they can advertise to. But really, if they wanted to sell these things to make them like a big hit, they should lower the price down. It's just ridiculous. Well, and as an engineer, I understand trying something new. The goal mm-hmm. was to get better. The problem was the original premise was flawed. When mm-hmm. you when you take that much corn out of the market that it's already set for, you're now you created this this vacuum, you know, this this problem with where does the corn go? Now the real numbers for where what went up in price because I it was down later on my sheet. Ethanol corn, uh, ethanol drove corn-based products up twenty-five to sixty percent higher. Wow, twenty-five to sixty, depending on the product. That's a so, big, big area to, to jump. I mean, it's not like it's twenty-five to thirty; it's twenty-five or two and a third higher. Like. <laughs> yep, depends on how much corn was in something, you know. So some products may have only gone up a little, while some went up quite a bit. Well, so that's just a blanket statistic that doesn't actually go into details. Yeah. If it's because if the percentage is directly correlated with the amount of corn in the product, then then the percentage will correlate uh, on a scale that makes more sense. But just to say twenty-five to sixty, that's shuck. Well, now I'm using this E85 example as a universal example for pretty much any fuel that we we choose to create using either farmland, you know, anything like this, because it doesn't matter if we would have picked corn or soybeans, whatever we pick is still taking up space, taking up land. It is. And as we farm the way we do, we're getting less and less efficient. We're getting less and less product, which means we're greatly reducing. And remember, on the other side, what is being used for food is we're still wasting 40% of that. You know, you're right. And to be honest, when we were talking about using these crops as fuels and stuff, before I started this, before I actually looked online, I just kind of hoped that we were going to get down the avenue of, instead of wasting all this food commercially, why not just send it to fuel plants and have them turn it into biofuel? Obviously, some food products are going to be a little, you know, valuable than others, but it would give it a use. I don't necessarily think that growing crops to produce a fuel is a great idea for the simple fact of, you know, the increased cost of everything else that would normally have that food product. Well, and me, you've heard me say it as when it comes to a fuel, if we're going to do something new, don't burn it. If you have to burn it, it's already inefficient. It's already creating emissions. We have solar, we have wind, we have all these ways. Now, granted, electric vehicles has some, has some issues that we have to figure out with batteries or, with batteries or anything like that. So there is challenges, don't get me wrong, but to just keep using farmland or even just burning waste, I would not be happy with taking all the food waste in the world and burning it because a good chunk of that should just get tilled back into the soil. It should be composted. That is carbon that's already been sequestered and should be it should stay sequestered back into our ground. No, you're not wrong. I, I do agree with that to a degree. I just think that any use of it is better than no use of it. Anything that prevents it from being wasted, if it gets even if it's being burned, would you know give it a, a chance to be useful. Well, E eighty five forced farmers to farm more corn. And if anything know if anybody knows anything about corn, corn takes a lot of nutrient 
from the ground. Yeah, it's a long time to grow, too. So it pulls a lot of it out. It does more damage to the soil. We're not tilling it back in. You know, we're pulling it all out, letting the ground stay barren, and then doing it again. And we switched other crops in the United States to corn to compensate for using it as a fuel. So I want to remind everybody that it doesn't matter what we would choose to grow as a fuel, because a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, jump out and say hemp, 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 because it can be made into oils and everything else. Same thing applies. If you have to grow it to burn it, it's not where it's not the end goal. Hemp really is like how I word this. Hemp really is becoming everyone's band-aid for a lot of things, like soy was in the 80s and 90s. It is a super plant. It has a lot of things you can use it for, and it is amazing that it is so useful and versatile. But you're right. You know, if we have to take the time to sequester land and, and grow a crop just to you know, burn it, then there probably is something else we should be leaning towards. I, I know that if you if you look online, you'll see like a, a brief history of automobiles and stuff. But before we had internal combustion, we had steam cars, we had all different kinds of stuff. And while I don't think steam is the answer because it still requires heat, so no burning, there's got to be another way. Well, and I think we've been stuck on that as as humans far too long. Burning things to create heat, to boil steam, to push it through something has been all we've really, uh, that's all we've really done when it comes to energy. Now, burning fossil fuels to produce heat, to create motion isn't much different. And I think it's, it's going to take going to electric before we can really see where we need to be because we're, we just burn everything. And to grow it to burn it is just silly to me. I think that when you look at it like that, you're not wrong. I I agree that it's silly, but I I don't think that saying it's silly is going to be enough. We don't have an an alternative right now, at least not one that's efficient and financially, you know, accessible to the everyday guy. Well, I can tell you you with electric, we're not going to have a choice. I work in the auto industry. There will not be any new internal combustion engines that are not the sports car version in mm-hmm. about in about three or four years we're we're wrapping up there's the money is not being put into new technology at this point we're just trying to hit the emission standards and that's about it the rest of it, it yes you'll still have your powerful vehicles the big trucks and the and the race cars everything else is going to be electrified so okay. it, you're not going to, I mean, I know which direction we're going in. And I know that when I, I knew that when I pulled this, this uh, show and wanted to talk about the E85 debacle, but it wasn't because of the future of vehicles. I wanted to discuss what happens when we, when we aim and shoot and hit the wrong target when it comes to energy. So now we have this huge infrastructure for E for E85. We have a subpar fuel. We have increased prices on everything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, almost every single thing went up because of this. And it isn't even a stopgap fuel before electric. Well, seems kind of counterproductive, doesn't it? Yes, it's exactly what it was. And and me doing the embodied energy thing, think about all the extra emissions it took to get to this point. That's painful in the hopes that we would save a little bit, which we didn't do because of the inefficiency of the fuel. We just had to burn more fuel to go the same amount of miles. 
That's insane. And I don't, I don't, here's the thing. And I run into this a lot with the sustainability stuff we talk about. Change for the sake of change, if it's for the right reasons, is fine. But these infrastructures and these industries have to be ready. There has to be work put into them to make the change anything but pointless. It needs to be effective. It needs to have a have a heart and soul. We need to say, okay, well, this is bad. This is what we're going to replace it with, and it's going to take these steps. Like There has to be a plan put in motion. And obviously, a lot of the stuff we talk about is little things we can do at home you know, to, to lessen our carbon footprint and whatnot. But the big things, these big industrial things, like it's it's really frustrating to see all these corporations put money into these programs for it's almost just like they're greenwashing for themselves. They want to have a good, you know, media presence of people to be happy and feel good about spending money there, but they're not doing anything, but making things more complicated. They're adding more steps to a problem. that's already big enough. Well, and it, it is companies searching for a way to still have something to sell. Yeah. is really what it is. Same thing with the biogas. If you have the LG blooms where now there are some that are more efficient where let's say that's a water treatment plant. A lot of times you have an algae bloom or algae farm, if you will, that's helped treating the water. Mm-hmm. And then the emissions given off from that process are then burnt. Okay. I'm still not a fan of burn because every time you burn something, it goes into the atmosphere, but at least then it had a purpose. Some of these places are actually just farming the algae, feeding the algae, capturing the gas and then using the gas well if you do a mass balance on a lot of that you're not really saving on energy because you're pouring a lot of energy in to get it to grow that's true you're just changing the form of the energy so the reason why i wanted to do this show is to have people think about this especially when you're voting or when you're talking to a friend or you decide to buy a car and you see these different things most of these things i hate to say it are gimmicks Mm-hmm. They're just a way to create another form of the same kind of energy. They're just looking for another form of carbon they can sell us. Gotcha. Because let's face it, if, if everybody goes to electric, once everybody does that, there is nothing they can farm out and sell us. Because energy, electricity, is pretty much handled by one company in each region. Yes, it is. And I hate that company so much. <laughs> so all these other ideas per se are just ways to find something else they can sell you because i'll tell you if everything was solar wind hydro tidal a lot of that stuff pays itself off in six seven years the cost is just the maintenance of the grid if they actually charged us the cost of maintenance our electricity would be extremely inexpensive if they weren't digging a hole, mining something out, driving it across the country on a train, unloading it, and then throwing it into a furnace, and then having to clean it up when it was done. Now, you just aim something towards the sun. You have a wind turbine that angles itself based on wind currents. It's going to be a big, big change for energy providers. Well, I think it's a change that needs to happen. I personally would love to not have to you know, depend on consumers to have energy and to have power, but I am not in a place financially to, you know, line my entire house with a battery set or solar panels. Right. Well, and hopefully that becomes a network thing and not just one or two people do those things, but the state 
or the federal government does those things. Soon we'll talk about solar farming on a different on a different show and we'll we'll discuss that a little bit more in detail, but solar freaking roads. <laughs> the, so why do we care how our energy is made? How do why do we care what kind of fuel we put into our vehicles? Why do we care? Well, are you saying we as in you and I or we as just people in general? Because I would assume the average person cares how their fuel is made for the simple fact of the financial reason. They want to know where their money is going and they want to know that it's not being spent on nothing. I want that, but I also want to save money and I want to not destroy the planet for the tiny blip of time that I'm here. Well, one of the things that sticks out in my head after watching a recent documentary, and I verified it, is that the UN last year stated that based on our current soil degradation, we have about 60 more harvest. Yeah, that's what you were saying. I tell that to a lot of people on purpose just to see responses. And it seems like anybody older than me, their answer is, well, I'll be fine. Instead of thinking about (laughs) all the rest of the people throughout after us. Ouch. (laughs) Not my problem, Buster. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's uh, that's a Ridiculous. mindset that we're going to have to break because if everybody grabs everything they can before they die, there will be nothing for their grandchildren. And even in this case, possibly their children. That's ridiculous. So that does bother me quite a bit. The, that we have 60 years where science has to fix that. That is, that's a big deal. And the more we push to over farmland, the more we try to shift this concept of renewable. Remember, there's a big difference between renewable and clean. And that is why this worked is because someone just kept saying it's renewable, it's renewable, it's renewable. Renewable only works when it's clean. Hmm. And this isn't. This is not clean. It is renewable. You can grow more corn, but you're going to have to use all of a state to do it. It's just too much. And it's it was too much for the industry. It was too much for pocketbooks. It hurt everything when they did it. Well, I guess that puts it back on the drawing room floor. They're going to have to come up with some other way to actually do a decent, I don't know, I'd say biofuel, but you're right. If burning it is just as bad as you know anything else, we should come up with another way to get energy. And, and since we can't really burn things for energy to be efficient, I mean, the sun's already burning, so I guess we could at least take advantage of that. And we... You know, we always have trees we can try to duplicate. I'd love to see someone try to put some real effort into creating things that do the things trees do. Well, trees do, and and that's what we need. And that's I I recently released a sh- or recorded a short, and one of the discussions was Elon and his his pledge or his he put money towards for, for someone to find a better carbon capture. It is not that that bothered me. It bothered me not because he's trying to find something better than a tree. It bothers me because that is where we are today. No one is con- no one is even considering reducing. We just need to find a better way to band-aid what we already do. And here we are, and granted, it's by the way, thank you everybody from other countries listening to us. I tend to forget I talk about the, you know, the United States almost exclusively, but in the United States we don't want to fix anything. We don't want to reduce. We want the miracle pill, the diet pill, this thing that's going to make it all better while we continue to eat three times more than we should and waste 40% of what's left. That's true. That's what bothers me. Okay. So when we look at these shortcut fuels, and these are exactly what they're attempting to do, create a market on a shortcut fuel, 
mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not impressed because now when they expanded their corn usage, they expanded their farmland. Now we're tilling more. Now we're pulling more carbon out of the ground and putting it into the atmosphere. And we're using more farmland to not feed people. Yeah, it's bad. It's ridiculous, actually. I mean, I don't know. You know how I feel about commercial agriculture and its many evils. It is the uh, the Saruman to my Middle Earth, the Sauron to my existence. So before we wrap up, the reason why I wanted to have this discussion is to talk about things that we should think about. When we look at new alternatives, it should be based on wind, solar, you know, electricity through both of those, hydrogen fuel. Where are our clean sources? And if it isn't a clean source, we wait until we get a clean source. We don't invest in the E85s of the world. We don't throw money in a lot of different ways that when we still just, we're still just going to burn it, boil water and shove it through a turbine to make electricity. Mm -hmm. It's time that we go ahead and make that change. That is our big thing when we're looking to do. The small things are handle your own, grow your own food kind of things that you know, I, I put on here to reduce our dependency on commercial agriculture. And that's what we're trying to do here in Duran with the, the edible landscape project. Yes. More fuel for us closer to home where you can walk and walk over and grab it instead of, and try to reduce as much as we can that ends up coming from commercial agriculture because the stresses on that industry are just too much. Absolutely, sir. I agree with all of that. I hate that industry, so I want to see it fold. <laughs> well, it can't fold. People will starve right now. But, but eh, if, we, if we reduce our dependency and bulk on it, it will drastically shrink. And I know that means some farmers won't be farming. I'm hoping that it would be a lot more small farms and a lot less over, overly used large farms. But that's just being optimistic. If well, I, I, I go ahead. Nah, you go. No, I would say if really the moral of the story is renewable is not necessarily sustainable, mm-hmm. and we never want to burn it. Which is a very, very good way to say that trees are not renewable because they take forever to grow. Yeah, well, they're renewable; they're just not sustainable. Well, I mean, not renewable in the sense for energy, right? It's like saying diamonds are renewable. Yeah, the Earth will make more. How long does that take? It doesn't matter. they will it won't be tomorrow that's right i think that's all we have this week uh we appreciate your support and listening if you get an opportunity leave us a review on itunes we've got about nine now so they're starting to pop in i'm pretty excited and actually everybody has said nice things nick you know i i read a couple of them and i was flabbergasted and i thought for sure we'd have someone running this into the ground (laughs) well it's uh, it's fantastic to see the feedback, and we're even getting messages coming through with questions. So we really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for everybody for listening and being engaged in this topic. If you if you ever have questions or think there's topics that we should cover, let us know. We're always available, and we'll we'll try to get back with you as soon as possible. So that's all we have for this week. I'm Mike, and I'm Nick, and we'll see you next week. Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? That Ethic is perfect for you. 
Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org, E-T-H-Y-K.org.